to Crimes from the East. I'm your host, Pia, and with me is Alex from the great state of... Arizona. Arizona. How are you doing, Alex? Good, Pia. Hi. Coming in live and hot from my brother's 11-year-old daughter's quote-unquote office, which she was (laughs) very, very excited to let me use. I don't even have an office. I record from my basement. I'm like in a corner. Like a true podcaster should. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm surrounded by junk. (laughs) Oh, so I actually told him like, hey, Chinu, you know, we're going to be talking about you on this podcast until you start listening to it. Um, I'm going to tell all of your secrets. And then he pointed out very astutely that he doesn't have any secrets or at least none that I really know about. You know what's the best thing? Alex just start telling people his passwords. I'm pretty sure he has like an encrypted encryption <laughs> encrypting all of his encrypted passwords. Yeah, he is very smart. Um, I remembered like 20 years ago, everyone at that point was starting to get Gmail accounts. And I was like, where's your Gmail? He's like, Mm-mm, I don't trust Google. They're going <laughs> to sell all of your information one day. And I was like, you're you're crazy. You're, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Guess what? He and was right. here we are. <laughs> here we are. He was right. Okay. Are you ready for today's case? I think we told you, right, that we're doing a case from Nepal today. Yeah, we're getting out of India. We're going to Momoland. One of our sister countries is Nepal. And so I thought we better cover some case from the country and represent, you know, South Asia. Hello, we've done yeah. Bangladesh, we've done Sri Lanka. I know we still have to touch a major Pakistani case, but I'm taking my time in yeah. picking one. Yeah. And so I thought maybe it's time to do Nepal today. It's actually a really nice country. There aren't that many serious crimes there. So I had to go back quite a few years to find something significant. That's nice, right? I mean, the case might not be nice, but the fact that it was hard to find a a quote-unquote good one, that's a good thing. I mean, not for our line of work, podcasting work, but for the world. (laughs) There's just no dearth of crimes all over India, but Nepal, it's not so bad. So, yeah. Wait, so let me ask you first, have you been to Nepal? Because you seem to have been to every country we ever talk about. I have not. I really want to go, though. I have friends who've been. They said it was nice. When you think Nepal, I think one of the first things that at least came to my mind, uh, Charles Sobraj. Okay, I don't know. There's a really good show about him called The Serpent. Okay. Yeah, that guy was a crazy, like, psycho, but narcissist and very witty, cunning serial killer. Okay, interesting. And to cover him will definitely take at least a month's research. I'm Ooh, leaving that for okay. later. That's something to look forward to. I had to control myself several times while writing to not refer to Nepal as the little Himalayan kingdom because they are no longer a kingdom. Oh, right. <laughs> Nepal is geopolitically located between India and Tibet. Mm-hmm. And that was another weird thing. When I wanted to look at Tibet on Google Maps, it just shows me Tibet as one dot. Tibet's not a dot. Yeah. And then it shows me China on the main map. China, China, China. China. Whatever. So Nepal is geopolitically located between India and Tibet. It's a landlocked country. But for a small country, they sure have some of the most visited 
mountains on the planet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nepal has eight of ten of the world's tallest mountains. That's crazy. Can you beat that? Like, including yeah. Annapurna, Kanchenjunga, and even the Mount Everest. Well, at least part of it, most of it. <laughs> Pia, I'm so stupid. I almost said Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It just, when you think mountain. You think Everest, not Kilimanjaro. I think Kilimanjaro is a way better name. So here's a little trivia tidbit for you about Nepal. The Nepalese or Nepali flag is the only non-rectangular flag in the world. Ooh. It's like two triangles, one on top of the other. Go check it out. I'm looking right now. So anyone who goes for their, you know, Wednesday night beer and trivia thing, this is probably going to come up at some point. And you can thank us for telling you the answer. It's Nepal. Epic. Why do more countries not mix it up with the flag? That's so cool. It's so cool. Nepal was like, to hell with all of you boring rectangle flag people. We're doing our own thing. (laughs) Here are some famous people from Nepal. One of the most enlightened Arihant souls or Arham beings in the world. Arham beings. Was born in Nepal's Lumbini province. Can you guess who? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? None other than Gautam Buddha. (gasps) Oh. Gautam Buddha was also known as Shakyamuni at that time. He the OG Buddha. The OG. The one and only. Buddha was born in Nepal. Wait, I didn't know they called him the Gautam Buddha. That's his name, Gautam. Is it? Siddharth. Gautam Siddharth. I think, well, some of it may be like his last name, clan name. Right. His name was Siddharth, I believe. So Siddharth Gautam? Yeah. Something like that. It was probably complicated. I feel like names were really complicated. Hello? They see people have at least four names in their names. Yeah, yeah. So he was probably Siddharth, Gautam, Buddha, Shakya. I was going through my mom's paperwork the other day and I found her, I don't know, it was her old school like reports and she has like six names that I didn't even know that she had. <laughs> and it's just, I don't get it. Like, what is her name? So, unfortunately for women in India, right, the patriarchal names of their father and then their husbands are shoved into their names as middle names, which is bullshit. I'm like, get the f*** out of here, because you already have a last name from the family. Why do you need a male figure's name as your middle name? Yeah. But even, like, the name that she goes by, her first name, was not the first name on this list of names. So, I'm just like, who are you? She had another first name? I didn't know this. Yeah, it's like Lakshmi Kumari Sumita Pravat Sen. I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know three of those names. I only know one. Okay. Another significant figure from ancient texts in India and whatever, they see lands, was born in Nepal. Sita. Sita. Wife of King Ram was born in Janakpur, which is now in Nepal. She was the one who got abducted by Ravana and taken to Sri Lanka, right? Yes. Hey, there we go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
seems like Nepal certainly was a significant cultural hub in North India <laughs> back in the Vedic era. There's a connection with Shiva in the Himalayas too, right? That's where Shiva would go to meditate. Yeah. And his abode is supposed to be Mount Kailash. Okay, yeah. Mount Kailash, which is now part of China. China. Okay. I can't I can't deal with that. Hello. <laughs> Why is Mount Kailash part of China? It's nice. <laughs> oh, they're gonna come for us now, Pia. You better lock your doors tonight. <laughs> No, they're going to listen. They have the largest population in the world. I want all of their agents listening in. <laughs> We're baiting Alex. Remember our plan? We're baiting him. Okay. I mean, crimes from the East. We should cover uh, some Chinese. <laughs> I mean, that's East. It's all East from somewhere. Okay. With a population of 29 million, Nepal has a newly formed democratic republic. The 240-year-old Hindu monarchy was abolished in 2008. Wow, that's not that long ago. <laughs> but not before decades of civil unrest and chaos in the landlocked nation. Here's the interesting part. They were never truly colonized by the British either. Noise. Yeah, the British just left them alone. They kind of uh, turned into some kind of a vassal state. Okay. The region is so tough to navigate the british were like eh, it's not worth it <laughs> i was gonna say why <laughs> they, well lucky for them lucky for them they were saved from the colonial white devils so is nepal yak country oh they probably have yaks right i've sat on a yak in yeah, sikkim yeah. yakety yaks don't come back this is very important for our listeners this is to know that nepal is indeed yak country it is Yaks are very, very Nepali. The nation is geographically divided into three major regions, the Himal, Pahar, and Terai. Himal is the upper snowy mountain region of the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. yep. The lesser mountains or at lower elevations are called the Pahar region. Pahar means mountain, really. Pahar, really. okay. Terai, or lowland grassland valley region, is the third part of the country. Okay. And these features not only divide the land, but also the cultures and the people, because obviously mm. you're not going to be traveling too much back and forth from one elevation to the next that often. Yeah. And this divide did often lead to rebel groups rising up to claim independence from oppression and discrimination through the years. It kind of gave people a grouping to right. rally behind and... Identify with, yeah. Yes, identify with. There was a lot of chaos in the nation for a long time. So when the ex-king Gyanendra was in power, the rebel groups were working with fire in their bellies to free the people from oppression. Okay. There were also several criminal organizations that took the guise of rebel groups in order to steal, rob, and commit crimes with impunity. Now, kidnappings was a major fundraising activity for these groups, <laughs> rebel as well as criminals. And was at an all-time high during 2007 to 2009 when the Republic kind of came into existence. Kidnapping gangs didn't target the rich and influential as you'd expect. They targeted the middle class and upper middle class instead because they wouldn't be taken seriously by the police like we've seen yeah. in so many cases. And they would be less likely to have connections with even bigger gangsters oh, themselves. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, big fish, high risk, high reward, high risk. It's like the opposite thingy. Our case takes place during some of the more tumultuous years in the country when crime was rampant and kidnappings were common. Damn. In June of 2009, 19-year-old Kyati Shrishta was a 12th grade student at the Jubilant College in the capital city of Kathmandu. Now, Kyati was the only child of parents Radha and Gopal Shrestha. She was a super bright student. She took part in a ton of extracurricular activities. She loved to dance. She used to take part in cultural dance programs in her school and college. Mm -hmm. You know, a generally great outgoing person who also was very academically inclined. She was a super bright student and had excelled in her 10th grade exams. Back then, her family lived in a different city, 250 miles south of Kathmandu, called Biratnagar. And when she did well in her 10th, they moved bag and baggage to Kathmandu only so that Kyati could study at a good college and pursue her dreams. So really, their lives kind of revolved around her and her future and making sure that she was able to achieve everything that she set her mind to. So how old is she if she's in 10th grade junior college? She was in 12th grade, just about 19 years old at this point. Okay. So when the family made the big move to Kathmandu, they rented an apartment in a place called Balaju from a biology teacher, Biren Pradhan Shrishta. Now, I'll take a wild guess that this choice was made because they were from the same community as right. seen by their last names. I mean, this is common. This happens mm -hmm. all over Desi lands. So the landlord, Biren, soon decided to sell his property. Get out. And the family had to move again. This time, they chose a location much closer to Kyati's college in an area called Gatekulo. Gatekulo. There are a lot of names in this episode I'm going to probably be mispronouncing. Apologies to all Nepali listeners, if we have any. Please let me know how to actually say these names, okay? This teacher, Biren. Remember that name? Does it sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's his name? Biren, the dumbass killer from episode three, I believe. Okay, so Biren also privately tutored Kyati at times as she was studying for all entrance exam and stuff at the time. And he was a biology teacher. You know, he used to tutor her privately as well. So on June 5th at 8 a.m., Kyati received one of those unbelievable calls that everyone dreams of. Kyati was in college when she received a phone call from a female caller, and she was told by the caller that she had won a prize of 20,000 rupees and a free trip to the big city of Pokhara from a popular Nepali women's magazine called Vow. Okay. She was thrilled. She was like, whoa, 20,000 rupees and a free trip. Like any college student would be ecstatic when they heard this. <sighs> she was asked to come to a spot in a busy street junction called Putali Sadak at 1 p.m. to claim the prize. Sounds totally fine, right? A 1 p.m. in the afternoon in a public spot. I mean, did she like apply for... No, so the caller told her that she was randomly selected for the prize. How she was selected, I don't know if she was told that information or if she questioned about it. Yeah. 
She didn't go there alone, though. So she was taking good measures to protect herself, even though she believed the claim. Okay. A friend from her neighborhood, a boy from her neighborhood, basically, called Biki, accompanied Kyati to this location at 1 p.m. So Kyati and the neighbor were met there by a young woman, actually a very young-looking girl, who told them that Kyati had to fill out a form and then give an interview for the magazine, after which she would be given the prize. It makes it look more and more legit. Seeing a woman there, the neighbor was assured of Kyati's safety, and so the neighbor left. (gasps) No! Uh Uh-oh. It's the beginning. I think at this point, Kathy's parents were told about her winning when they called her on her cell phone. And she told them that she was sitting somewhere having coffee and filling out forms for the prize. Now they were excited too. They're like, okay, that's cool. Kathy and the girl then took a taxi and traveled to an apartment for the interview. Now this apartment was in an area called Kusibu. I'll put up a map of these important locations on our Instagram account so listeners go and check it out. Follow. Mm -hmm. At that apartment, she was met with a fate she couldn't have imagined when she woke up that day. Not only was there no prize, no vow magazine, no trip to Pokhara, but instead what lay waiting for her there was danger of the worst kind. Oh man. (sighs) Okay. Kathy's parents called her back at 2.30 p.m. to check on her, but mm-hmm. her cell phone was just ringing away. The call went unanswered. They kept calling her repeatedly, no answer. By the evening, they were worried sick, and they were very restless to hear from their daughter. Now, while Nepal is considered generally safe for women, it's not as bad as it is in some places in India, especially North India. Mm-hmm. There are, of course, always areas where one can encounter more criminal elements. And parents will always worry about their children, no matter what, no matter where they are, what time it is. Parents be worrying, (laughs) y'all. Now, their worries were confirmed that evening. Oh, that's the worst. When an SMS was received from Kyati's cell phone by that neighbor on his cell phone, with news no one ever anticipates. It said Kyati had been kidnapped and that the kidnappers demand a hefty ransom of 10 lakh rupees. That's $13,000. That's no small amount. Wait, in 2009? In today's money, it's $13,000. The kidnappers warned them not to contact police or Kyati would be killed. They claimed to be an infamous gang from Terai, or that lowland valley region of Nepal. A lot of it is bordering India, so Indian gangs, you know what I mean? Foreign Indian gangs. It makes sense, the locations. Those criminal gangs are notorious in that region. So when the Shreshtas heard the Terai name, it sent a wave of terror in their minds. Uh These gangs were not people you mess with at all. And that's what kind of made them a lot more cautious about Mm. not going to the police, just keeping it within the immediate family. Okay. So it upped the fear factor by a lot. Exactly. That's kind of smart. Remember that kidnappings were common at that time and these gangs were the ones doing it? 
So they figured, yes, it has happened before. People have been kidnapped. Some of them end up dead, but most of them come back safe. I'd say 90% of the cases that I read, people were returned back because they were mostly entrepreneurs that the gangsters knew had money to give up. And they were usually returned back safely. A lot of the gangs actually treated the kidnapped victims with respect, kept them comfortable, fed them, didn't beat them or anything. It was a business for them. They weren't trying to be violent. Right. However, some of the other gangs were violent and were not keeping you cushy. So there's no telling which gang it was that had claimed to kidnap Kip. Okay. So 10 lakh rupees is no short change. For a middle class family, that is a lifetime of saving every paisa and rupee. But Gopal and Radha Shreshta somehow managed to put together the amount and they waited for further instructions. It took a couple days. Uh Uh-oh, okay. Now, the kidnappers contacted them several times with red herrings for ransom drops, possibly to evade police. At one point, Kyati's cousins were asked to come with the ransom to an Indo-Nepali border town, Sonali, 170 miles from Kathmandu. It's a long journey. It's not like you can just catch a flight and fly over. That's like 10, 11 hours in a bus they spent to go help their sister out. And they reached the drop-off location, but nobody came to pick up the money. So they had to return empty-handed. With all the money. Yep, they got the money, but no Kyati. The Shrestas were led on a wild goose chase all over Nepal to drop off ransom to the towns of Butwal, Chituan, and even Darjeeling, India. Darjeeling, India is, again, uh, one of those border towns. It's a major hill station in India, a beautiful location. Mm-hmm. And they went there, but no Kyati. No kidnappers. Finally, they received a message and the kidnappers asked them to come to a border town called Kakarbhitta, which is a 12-hour bus ride from Kathmandu. Now, this densely populated town is right by the open border of India. People from both countries can simply walk over the border crossing without passports or visas. There is border security personnel on both sides. Yeah. I'm not sure if you even need to show ID. I think you just walk past you okay. just go so it sounds like an ideal location where someone would want to just disappear and get lost in another country right for any of you with ideas out there <laughs> don't do it or do it on june 17th 12 days after the kidnapping kyati's mother was sent to kakarbitta to hand over the ransom of 10 lakh rupees and hopefully save their beloved kyati finally Her domestic house worker, Ram, accompanied her on this trip. Now, they were staying at a hotel for the night before the drop-off in Kakarbitta. Mm -hmm. Radha was stunned and taken by surprise when she spotted her old landlord and family acquaintance, Biren Pradhan, at that hotel. (gasps) Right? This Mm -hmm. is 12 hours away from Kathmandu where he lives. What's he doing here? Sus. This struck her as extremely odd, and she expressed her doubts to the family about Birin being involved somehow with the kidnapping. A mother's instinct, right? Kicked in, kicked Mm -hmm. in. She's thinking about all these possibilities. Now, everyone discussed the situation, and they concluded that even if it is Birin, just give him the money so that Kyati can be safely recovered. After that. And then go after him. They could figure it out, hand him over to police, do whatever they want. 
So Ram, the domestic worker who was with Radha at that time, when he went to hand over the ransom, he thought he saw a familiar face and voice at the other end. Now, I'm sure Biren was in disguise of some kind, but he could kind of make out, this looks like Biren, this sounds like Biren. Yeah. Now, sensing this recognition, the kidnapper tried to grab Ram and capture him as well. Oh, shit. But Ram fought him off, narrowly escaping with his life. He was shaken up and furious when he met back up with Radha and he relayed his suspicion to her about the kidnapper being none other than Biren Pradhan, their previous landlord. So the pieces are kind of fitting into each other and they're, they're getting a clearer picture of what's going on. I mean, how hard is it to not be seen by the people you're ransoming? Doesn't look like a very professional job. No. Right? Another dumb criminal who didn't think things through. I know it's easy to target someone who you have like a personal relationship with, but it also just increases the stakes and risks so much. I was wondering, do we know how much the police have or are involved at this point? Or are they not taking this situation seriously? Or like, what's the deal with the police? A lot of the news sources that I could find for this. Now, the English news articles didn't have too much information. I had to actually reach out to locals on Reddit who were talking about this case. And one of them really helped me out. I just want to give them a huge shout out. They know who they are. Um, They translated a whole video where, you know, a local news reporter was talking about the case. Okay. And it didn't mention that the police were involved at this point. They may have been, but they were silently monitoring the situation. They weren't at the drop-off place. They weren't surrounding the place. None of that was taking place. I'm assuming they were not contacted at this point. The other thing is that when they were doing all of these like red herring drops where they didn't actually show up for the ransom, maybe I just picked up on something that wasn't there, but were they quite specific in who was supposed to come and drop off the money this time and that time and another time? No. No. Okay. I'm not seeing any mention of them asking for certain people to drop it off. Because like, why was it the cousins in this place and then this time it's the mother who's doing it like I don't know it's just kind of interesting this is speculation but perhaps they thought that the kidnapper saw the cousins and didn't feel comfortable Mm. and didn't show up so the mother went herself yeah maybe they didn't recognize the cousins but I guess that increases this idea that like it's someone that they know or that knows them okay so what happened After Radha and Ram dropped off the ransom, they had their suspicions about Virain. Now we see what happens next. So they immediately returned to Kathmandu and they waited for a day hoping that perhaps Kyati would be released any minute as per the agreement. But that didn't happen. On the second day, they were completely distraught and they figured now is the time to contact the police. We gave them the money. Kyati wasn't returned. Let's go to the police. They conveyed their suspicions to the police about Birain. And at once, the police took charge. They searched for Birain and caught him back in Kathmandu on June 21st, 17 days after Kyati was last seen. Now, there isn't too much detail about 
where they found him, how they caught him, mm-hmm. why they acted so promptly. But I mean, it's it's great that the cops believed the family and took action. I mean, I guess once you have like a very specific name and you don't have to do any <laughs> like investigative work, you can be pretty quick about it. So maybe that's why it's easy. I found some reports which mentioned that the cops were surveilling Birin and his female accomplice for a few days. And when they saw some kind of suspicious activity, they caught him before he could disappear or vanish or get away from Kathmandu. Okay. And South Asia is not like America. You don't really always need a big warrant to pick (laughs) someone up. You can literally just pick people up to question them you know you don't have to right be like go get a warrant you just pick people up after the cops grilled and interrogated Birin, quote unquote Mm -hmm. which probably meant aka beat the crap out of him he finally confessed to the crime beatings lead to coerced confessions false confessions but in this case he had details that match the crime Maybe they didn't beat him up. Maybe they just very strongly encouraged him <laughs> to tell them what was going on. Kathy's old tutor and landlord, Biren Pradhan, was the one who hatched this kidnapping scheme. The young girl who had called up Kathy and posed as the magazine rep was a 16-year-old girl named Marina Shakya. Marina was an ex-student from Adarsh Vidya Mandir School, where Birain used to teach as a biology teacher. Okay. He taught at that school for 14 years, and he was known to be kind of a creep. You know, he the girls? was very strict with the boys and, Ooh. yeah, completely biased Uh-oh. with all the girl students. I don't like where this might be going. Birain had groomed Marina into a relationship. <sighs> and convinced her to go along with the kidnapping. Now, mind you, Birain was 42 at that time. Okay? He's not some handsome young 20-something. He's just a pedophile. Yeah, he's a predator for sure. He was married, and he had two children. Yucky! No! But he was also having affairs and preying on underage victims like Marina at that time. So he was a dirtbag for sure. Yeah, yeah. His wife had been working in Canada for the past couple of years at that point. And his daughters were living with their grandparents. So, But why did he need money? Sounds like they're pretty well set up. Yep, we're going to talk about that later. Okay. Uh, we've got our guy. Uh, where's Kathy? What happened to Kathy? Oh, yep. I have some terrible conclusion to this crime. Uh-oh. When Kyati had reached the apartment at Kusibu, she was shocked to see Birain there. Like, that's weird. Why is he here? But somehow Birain and Marina convinced her to stay and wait for the interview by Vow magazine. Then they gave her a cold drink laced with sedatives. Okay. She fell unconscious for a few hours. (sighs) When she woke up, she was struck with panic and confusion and she started to scream. Birain tried to knock out Kyati with chloroform at that point. Okay, he overdid it. Overdose of the deadly chemical ended up killing her. Oh my god. He then chopped up her body. What? 
into 10 different pieces and dispose them in different locations in the Kathmandu area. This goes back, is this what Biren, no, this wasn't Biren. Biren, remember, he chopped up his wife, his poor wife. How do these guys go from like, you know, a stupid like plan, accidental murder to chopping up a body? Ah, it's almost like that shitty Biren from the last case was reborn as this shitty Biren. He did the same exact thing. Yeah. Okay. People, the name needs to die. <laughs> Don't name your kids Biren. Please. <laughs> it's a cursed name. It's just... Unfortunate. I don't know. I, I still don't understand why he needed to do this in the first place. Like, what is the kidnapping? Yeah. Why does he need to do this? But there's got to be there's got to be another way to handle this. He proved what kind of person he was in that moment. Yeah. Kyati's limbs were recovered on June 13th from Chitwan, where people saw a human leg sticking out of a box. <gasps> Now, this discovery was made prior to the cops being involved in the case. So it was only later identified as Kyati Rajmin's, right? June 13th is still while the family is running around trying to pay this ransom. Looking. Wait. They didn't know about these remains being found because the locals found it. It was sent to a medical college to be um, documented and examined as evidence. The cops knew this is potentially, obviously, a criminal case. They just didn't know what the case was right. just yet. Okay, wait, back up. So basically, she was kidnapped on... On the 5th. The 5th, and she died that, like, the next day. Yes. So the ransomers were actually just having the family running around with the money to buy time so that they could, like, deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. But then they decided to still try and get the money. Mm-hmm. That was the end goal. Oh, My God. After intense interrogation, quote-unquote, Biren led them to the locations where the police recovered Kyati's torso from a stream in Seinbu and her head was recovered from a wooded area off of a highway in Raniban. The head was in a wrapped cardboard box and in advanced stages of decomposition. Sheesh. The medical examiner concluded that Kyati had been killed either on the day or the day after that she had been abducted. So you were right. You were right. But he just, you know, wow. guess. Okay. He also noted that there were several blunt trauma wounds on Kyati's head. And as per his confession, Birain had hit her with an iron rod to make <sighs> sure she was dead. After the chloroform. After the chloroform? Oh my god, he's a monster. I mean, we already knew he's a monster because he's a pedophile. But damn, bad to the bone. Now this means that Biren had gone ahead with the ransom collection, knowing fully well he had already murdered Murdered. Kathy and callously scattered her remains all over Nepal. So again, you were right. He had already killed her within hours of kidnapping her. And that whole you know, 10 days or so, two weeks almost. Yeah. That he made the family run around with the ransom. They were just trying to buy time to dispose of the remains. He had allegedly chopped up her remains and kept it in the fridge. Oh. Till he could figure out where to dispose of them. Now, 
the question you've asked a couple times so far. Yeah. About the motive for all of this. The motive was gambling debts. <gasps> of course. It's always freaking gambling debts with these Daisy boys. Now, I found some sources that said Birain was an avid gambler at the casinos in Nepal. And he had run up immense debts, which he was desperate to resolve by hook or by crook. And as we saw in the Aditranka case, yeah. remember mm-hmm. that little boy? Gambling debts pushed two fools into committing horrific crimes against totally innocent young victims. Now, these are either the dumbest criminals or just the coldest monsters determined in getting the money. They had fully planned and prepared to commit murder for it because the victims in both cases knew them well yeah, and could ID them if they were set free. True, true. So actually, she was doomed at the outset. Yeah, <gasps> they had to have known that they could never let them go, right? Right, right. That's not something you don't anticipate. Right. So when you decide to abduct someone you know, at that point, let me just assume. Yeah. You know it's going to end in murder. You know you can't let them go. <gasps> I didn't even think of that. Premeditated murder. Now, as per a former student of Birain at the school, Birain would talk about his casino debts from time to time, so it was preoccupying his mind. That's awkward. Yeah, Birain had resigned from that stable job just months before the murder. Clearly, he was making some changes in his life to achieve some end goal. Perhaps he was preparing to up and vanish from Kathmandu. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? He did hold ID cards from Darjeeling, India as well. 10 lakh will do it. And remember, his wife was working in Canada. Mm-hmm. So it's not unreasonable to assume he may have been planning to flee to Canada as well. Yeah. As you mentioned at the beginning, Kyati's family, they uprooted themselves entirely to move her to Kathmandu for her education. But like, If they're solidly middle class and 10 lakh rupee is like a life savings amount for people like them, why would he pick her? Like, was there something outstanding that made him think, oh, that's gonna, that's gonna pay off? Good question. So, yes, why did Birin pick Kyati as a victim, right? Why? So, just a week before the kidnapping, Birin had actually dropped into the Shreshta home to visit Gopal and Radha. Now, this is very common in Daisy culture. There is no reason or rhyme or big occasion required to drop in and meet people. You drop in and you are treated with the utmost respect, even if it's at an inconvenient time. So <laughs> he had just dropped in to say hi and meet the family. At that visit, Gopal had mentioned to Birain how well Kyati was doing in school and that they were planning to send her to America for higher education next oh, year. Oh, okay. So this little innocent remark took roots and sprung an evil thought in Birin's desperate mind. He knew that if anyone is going to the U.S. to study, they would need a lot of money to do that. This money would not materialize overnight, and he realized that the Shreshtas had probably been scrimping and saving for a while. Mm-hmm. He had to get his hands on that money somehow. And I assume that is when the scheme came to his mind. Now, he may have already been planning to target them 
because you know they're ordinary folk he may have guessed that they don't have any solid connections in Kathmandu they're from a different city altogether you know they don't have friends in high places blah 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 he was their landlord he knows right. them yeah so he may have targeted them anyway and hearing about the u.s plans may have solidified his plans that's so evil gotta be careful who you tell your good fortune your good news to in fact when the shreshtas looked at their photo album kept in the living room later they found that Biren's only photo with them was missing from that album. <laughs> so he had stolen the photo at that visit. I don't know why. Maybe he premeditated that there might be a search for him later and they would want a picture of him. That's just so stupid, though. Um, there's this podcast called Someplace Underneath that I've been listening mm-hmm. to. And I was re-listening. They did a series on the IBLP, the like fundamentalist, like mm-hmm. quiverful Christians in America. And basically, I don't know if you've been following the Josh Duggar scandal. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah, a little bit. I think he just got convicted, which is good news. But when the police went to raid him, so he has been convicted of um, acquiring child abuse material. And when the police went to like raid his property to find the material, the first thing he said very suspiciously, oh, why are you here? Has someone been watching child pornography? That's what he said. Oh, and it's like pointing a finger directly at himself, thinking he's pointing it at someone else. It's like taking oh, the photo out of the photo album is almost making it like more. It's like the one photo that's missing. Who was in that photo? Biren. Mm-hmm. So these guys are just morons. And he may have been a sneaky character all along because when I search for pictures of everyone involved in this case, yeah. there's only one picture of this fellow online. Oh, okay. Only one picture, which is probably his mugshot. He was already keeping a low profile. Yes, he was already keeping a low profile. It's not like there were lots of pictures with him in it. Yeah. So he was preparing to vanish completely. Well, he was already probably knew that someday the predating on young students was going to catch up to him Mm -hmm. or could catch up to him. So he was ready for trouble, probably. Now, Kyati's parents had to come to terms with the awful truth that their beloved, bright and determined daughter Kyati was no more. The people of Nepal were devastated to hear of such a gruesome crime, especially because the victim was such a young girl poised for an accomplished life ahead. Yeah. She was doing all the right things. She was educating herself. She was looking forward to, you know, having a great job. I read somewhere that she had aspirations to become a pilot. And so the people of Nepal were kind of torn to see someone who was just spreading their wings to fly up high being taken down by such a monster. Mm -hmm. Protests, rallies, and public discussions took place all over Nepal. High schools were closed for several days. Wow. After the story came out in the news, students were protesting. They refused to go to school. They were afraid anyway, but they wanted to make a statement Mm -hmm. and make sure that they expressed their anger and frustration about the law and order situation in the country. They demanded the judicial system give Biren and Marina 
the worst possible sentence. They wanted them hanged. Oh, them hanged. is that a thing in Nepal? Nope. Okay. Capital punishment is not a thing in Nepal at that time. Okay. Um, I don't think they have it now either, but at least in 2009, there was no capital punishment. Mirene and Marina were actually attacked several times when they were being taken to court mm. by the public. They mm. were beaten up several times. After a prompt court case, a year later, Birain was sentenced to 39 years in jail. And Marina was awarded 34 years in jail despite her young age because she's 16 at that time. She's a juvenile. You wouldn't expect her to receive a full sentence like this. Usually, juveniles are only kept in a separate custody for a few years till they turn an adult and then they're set free. And we've seen this in several cases in India where some of the worst offenders, you know, like a sexual assault offenders and murderers who were 17 or 16 when they committed the crimes, they're set free in three years after being kept in juvenile detention. Right. But the judge here was no, no, no. relentless. He didn't, he didn't give her benefit of the doubt at that point. He gave her the full sentence. He, she was charged as an adult. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. That's the thing, right? She was still technically a child. Well, not, not like a young child, but... And like the thing is, is maybe she was a victim too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she was. She definitely was, but I, I'm not sure how much that should factor into her like culpability for what happened to Kyati. It's tricky. Biren is still in high security prison in Nepal. There were some rumors online that he's dead, that he died, blah, 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 but it's not confirmed. Other sources say he is very much alive and still in the high security prison. Marina served part of her sentence uh -huh. and she did try to redeem her life in jail. She pursued an education and she even got a master's degree while incarcerated. Oh, wow. Okay. She was actually released earlier this year for oh. good behavior. I wonder what she got her master's degree in. I believe she got it in business administration or something like that. Okay. So like an MBA kind of? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably okay. Like she paid the price for her part in the crime. She was just barely a youngster at that time, and she was heavily manipulated by Birain, right? Mm -hmm. She spent 12 years in jail, which must not have been fun. Right. It's not a first world country. 16 to 28. 28, yeah. And rehabilitation is always a good end goal for nonviolent offenders. And in this case... I didn't see any evidence of Marina being part of the violence. Right, yeah. Right? Now, the only ones who truly have the right to forgive her, though, are Kyati's parents. We can say whatever we want. Yeah. It's up to Kyati's parents to forgive her or not. The law has forgiven her. She's out. She's, you know, moving on with her life. It's, it's fine, I guess. I mean, we don't know the level of involvement, how brainwashed she was. and If she was involved in the chopping if she was involved in the chopping, then she probably should stay in jail. Once you chop up a human being, I'm pretty sure you just aren't allowed to be around other human beings anymore. There's nothing left in you that can be redeemed if you have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So even if you look at YouTube videos about this case, you will see in the comments section hundreds of people expressing 
you know, the trauma that they still hold from when this case happened. A lot of them were little children and it affected them deeply. The entire country of Nepal truly mourned Kyati's loss. It's kind of like their big case of that decade, you know, like every country has that one big case which just sweeps up the nation and is permanently memorialized yeah. by a country, right? Like US had John Bennet in the in the past and I believe UK had Madeline McCann and India had a couple of cases like the uh, Noida double murder of Arushi, which we will cover in the future. Again, it needs a lot of research, so I'm taking my time, but we will cover it. So this was one of those big cases that kind of mm-hmm. made an impact on the people of Nepal. And that is the end of our case today, the unfortunate kidnapping and murder of Kyati Shreshta. I hope, you know, you're resting in peace, Kyati, and you burn in hell, Birin. Yeah, yeah. Um... I did like a quick Google images search. It's interesting. There's not a whole lot. But yeah, she just looked like she looked like a cool chick. Do you see my desktop? Yep. Yeah, that's Kathy. No, just an ordinary young girl. And that's the piece of shit. Terrifying. I would not want to wake up in an apartment with that thing hovering over me for sure. Well, I'm glad they got him. As usual. That's the only silver lining they got got. Yeah, hats off to Kathmandu police. They did a good job. They caught him before he could vanish. And he had several avenues open to vanish. So, yeah, they did a good job. Sounds like they did. Man, that got dark fast. Like, yeah, I didn't realize how heavy it was going to get at the end. All right, that brings us to our Bollywood corner for today. Um, so there is a Nepali movie called Lukamari or Lukamari. I don't know how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. That was apparently loosely based on this murder case, but I have not been able to find a subtitled version of it. So I can't tell you anything about it. The reviews say it's a really good movie. One of, you know, the best movies in Nepal. So if anyone speaks Nepali or if anyone knows of a subtitled version of it, please share it with us. Is Nepali a very like starkly different language if you speak hindi you'll understand small parts of it it's not totally legible to me like i could only get a few words okay there are some common roots yeah i bet people in bengal or other northeast states in india might have some more understanding of the language so my first recommendation for today is a movie called teen teen is the number three Mm-hmm. So in this movie, there are three main protagonists, and that's what movie is named after, Teen. Okay. This is an official remake of the Korean thriller movie called Montage. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, but that's wild. And a Hindi remake of a Korean movie. Like, that is globalization at its finest, I think. There is so much excellent Korean cinema. Really, like some of their movies, especially, Especially their thrillers are just crazy. A grade top class. Yeah, like yeah. even Hollywood can't touch the kind of thrillers that Korea makes. It's a South Korea. I mean South yeah. Korea. Um <laughs> makes. It's they're just they make the best. They make the best thrillers I've ever seen. I love all of their movies. So I, I watch them all. I've watched them all. So I had watched Montage. I wasn't fully aware that this is a remake. 
only while watching it, I was like, a little bit seems familiar, but it's still very distinct. This mm-hmm. movie kind of holds up on its own because it's kind of infused its own personality into okay. the, the remake. Cool. Now, Teen is a taught story about a feeble old grandfather played by Amitabh Bachchan. Nice. Yeah, so he's hanging on to a relentless quest to find the killer of his little granddaughter from eight years ago. Ooh. The lead cop in this case is played by Vidya Balan, so a female cop. And I was like, yes, good, good. We need that. We need that. Now, the movie takes a turn when another child is kidnapped with the same exact MO. Ooh. And now the cops, especially Vidya Balan, she tries to connect the dots and solve the abduction of the current kid, assuming that it's the same guy Mm -hmm. who killed the girl eight years ago. Question. Does Vidya Balan play like a pregnant woman? In Kahani. Yeah, yeah, I just watched that recently. Isn't it good? Man, she's really out to be the, like... She's like the Denzel Washington of Bollywood. Totally. Right? Totally awesome. (laughs) She acts the part. She's like the antithesis to Shah Rukh Khan. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No offense. I love Shah Rukh Khan. (laughs) But like, he is... No cheese. Only ever Shah Rukh Khan, no matter what role he's playing, he's Shah Rukh Khan. (laughs) He's Shah Rukh Khan and he's so cheesy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The second movie I'm recommending today is called Ugly. Now, this 2013 movie is one of the better made thrillers in Bollywood. It's not a remake as far as I can tell, but you never know. Mm -hmm. So far, it's an original movie. It's great. The story revolves around a little girl, Kali, who goes missing from her father's car one day. Kali's stepfather is a cop, okay? Yeah. Her biological father approaches her stepfather to help solve the case of her disappearance. So basically, Kali's mom's first husband and second husband, who kind of hate each other, have to now... Have to work together. Yeah, work together to find Kali. Interesting. And I don't want to give too much away, so I'm going to stop here. It's a very gritty movie, and it has an excellent twist at the end you will not see coming. A twist? Check it out. Okay. Both of these movies have endings you won't see coming if you are looking to watch uh, bollywood movies but can't find it streaming somewhere look on enthusan.com you can find most of mainstream indian movies on that website i'll i'll add the links on crimesfromtheeast.com so go check it out yeah go ahead what were you saying google is telling me that ugly is available on prime and theen is available on netflix but you you never know Oh, that's perfect. That's what the Google is telling me. And Google never lies. We know that. (laughs) Those are my two recommendations for today. Good thrillers. You know, if you're in the mood, it's Friday. If you're not a party person um, and you want to just get cozy under a blanket with some popcorn and scare the bejesus out of you. This is a COVID-friendly way to celebrate the New Year's is watching some Bollywood thrillers and listening to Crimes from the East. Yeah, perfect. Just listen to us while they're watching the movie. Don't listen to the dialogue and all the important (laughs) story (laughs) details. Oh, man. Um, Did you want to say anything else? Happy New Year. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, by the time you hear this, it's gonna be 2022. What? What? Happy New Year! (laughs) We should have probably said that at the beginning. We're probably getting to uh, Crimes from the East birthday soon, right? Yes, I think in three more months. March is when we'll have our anniversary, our first anniversary. Nice. So that'll be really cool. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention. I mean, I do post these little, you know, stats from the podcast on Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. But we were actually at one point last month, number 16 in the Pakistan true crime charts. We need to do a Pakistan story. We owe it to Pakistan. I have a couple of really um, interesting cases from Pakistan. Very sad, very devastating, but you know, they need to be heard all around the world. People need to know these stories. One of them is ongoing. The court case is still going on, so I don't want to cover that just yet. We'll wait for the verdict yeah. and then then cover it in an episode. Sounds good. Pakistani listeners, we love you and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you. We're going to take a little break for the new year, maybe a month off. What do you think, Alex? Uh, you tell me. I'm, <laughs> I'm at your disposal, Pia. You, you're the one who needs to rest that big brain. BBE. Get some fresh eyes for the research. I'm here for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take January off and we'll see you in probably in February. I'll take that time to research and write some new episodes. And we'll record after that. Cool, cool, cool. Don't worry. We're still here. We'll be back. You can't get rid of us that easily. (laughs) Remember, I am releasing one bonus episode in a couple weeks, which is the interview I did with an astrobiologist, a superstar scientist. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to hear that. (laughs) Uh, But consider this our season two end for Crimes from the East. We'll be back with season three. Oh, my God. Season three. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Big thank you to everyone who supports us. Thank you. In whatever way. Patreon. Even if you share our posts, tell your friends, tell your family. Those things all matter. Even if you subscribe and don't listen. Yes, Chinu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. You can just go ahead and give us a five-star rating and an amazing review. That counts too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all we had for this episode of Crimes from the East, your they see true crime and strange phenomenon podcast with a little masala, masala and spice. Bye. Spice. Masala and spice. Chalo. Chalo. Namaste. Chalo.